Oh my gosh, and we are back. This is wow. an exciting one. Um, Maddie, welcome back to the, yeah. the show tonight. We've got Joe Riccio, um, uh, Food Coma podcast, um, writer for Condé Nast, for Travelers, everything across the board, Food Network uh, guest as well, um, and food critic in Maine. And I have a million and a half questions for him, but Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank yeah, man. You. Thank you for, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for making the time. Sounds great. Gibby, I didn't know how many ands you were going to keep piling on. I thought you might go for and, like the, and, and. and just streaks, just streaks of ants. Because we probably could have, in fairness. In fairness. It's like Apollo no. Creed and Rocket when they're doing all Apollo's names. Right he's killed by Drago. He yep. has like seven nicknames and then he, gets, he dies in two rounds. <laughs> really, they really uh, signed us up for a disaster yeah. there. <laughs> No, this will be fun. This uh, Gibby, it feels like it's been a week. I've lost all track, but it feels like, I think I told you this last time we had a little gap. Every day almost feels like two when we're not doing this. So I, I know. It's your special I, energy. Yeah. So Joe doesn't know this, but we, we've um, usually done about two shows a week and we're, we're pulling back a little bit on that. A lot of that was uh, show notes and producer notes here. <laughs> the, uh, the you know NFL season, we had to build the the FanDuel lineup to win all of our friends and family uh, nine dollars on their five dollar yeah. bet, uh-huh. and so we've we've uh, big stuff. Big you know, stuff. we've decided to pull back a little bit, but we're we're diving in a little bit more to some really interesting and fantastic guests. Um, we're touching them all. We're, we're, I mean, we should really keep a list of all the different walks of life slash industries we've touched at this point. We're, we're doing it. We're well, if anyone is listening and is not um, subscribing to the podcast, you can see everything at, uh, at on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, as well as uh, one night in pinehurst.com. Um, you'll see all of the most recent shows and you can scroll through and and we are getting those uh, listings up there, the the previous episodes up there. But Joe, thank you. Welcome. Yep. So thank you. <laughs> thanks for bearing with our intro. Uh, we stumbled through it, but we made it to you. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so Joe, um, I'm, I'm really curious, right? Like you're, you're known as a travel food, um, expert critic. Uh, how, how did you get into this space? Like where, tell us a little bit, walk us through the background a little bit, if you don't mind, like I I'm assuming, and I know, um, that you had some experience in the restaurant industry before. I did. Yes. I actually, I was in the restaurant business for uh, 25 years. Uh, always front of the house. I, uh, I although I, I, you know, I cook and I kind of cook. I do private dinners now. I, I never wanted to do it uh, professionally. I never really wanted to have it be work. I never wanted to make the same thing a hundred times in a day. So and plus, yeah. honestly, let's be honest, the money's in the front of the house. So uh, I got bartending and serving. I started out, I mean, when I was 15, I got hired by Gritty McDuff's in Freeport, Maine. Uh, when they first opened, they thought I was 27, told me I could be a bartender. Nice. Sophomore in high school, I made it to three interviews and got to bar training. I told all my friends that I got a job as a bartender. I was going to serve them all that summer. And then they something came up with age, and I was jokingly admitted that I was, I was like, oh, I'm not of age yet. And they were like, how old are you, though? And I was like, well, I'm almost 16. <laughs> and uh, and then I had to be a busser and a dishwasher. And my second day in the kitchen, I let a bunch of silverware get into their brand new garbage disposal, and it broke. And then I was that was the end of my back of the house career, and that's how it all started. But uh, I, <laughs> as far as the food business, I didn't really get serious about it until I I had moved to Chicago in my uh, late teens, right after high school. Yep. Uh, I was in retail. I was actually working for Cole Hahn and, and Ralph Lauren. I helped open the Ralph Lauren store in Chicago on Michigan Avenue. And they'd opened a restaurant called RL. It was like, you know, Oprah's favorite chef is here. Like she brought them here because you know, Oprah and Ralph are best friends or whatever. And yeah, I got a taste of like the money and the lifestyle. I was like, wait, you're telling me I can make like 600 bucks a night and I'm 
19 and I can drink expensive scotch all night and I'm getting tipped all this money in cash and I get all this like stipend for expensive suits. I was like, <laughs> I'm, sold. I'm not going back to retail. And not if you get a taste of that, no way. Once you get a forbidden. taste of that, and I was like, work, I was like, yeah, I'll work doubles every day. This is better. <laughs> than this is better. Yeah, than I don't plan on sleeping. Ever. I was like, yeah, there are kids my age who just started college. I'm like, what is there? What, what's the, I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't want to be an astronaut. So I think I'm fine <laughs> just doing this rather than going to school. Um, so I, you know, I did that. And then just through the years, like working in Chicago, so I started getting nightclubs and it was, you know, grand. It was a lot of like the, you know, the money and the, you know, the, the drugs and all that and it, it, everything, you know, about you know, Chicago, but like, uh, also, to me, it was like an entree to like learning how to, like, you know, the, the sales element of it, you know, yeah. like being a server who learned how to, you know, that's so how I got into wines, learning how to sell wine and learning how to like make money for myself and persuade you know, and getting into it. And that's, I think that's a lost art now. You don't really see that a lot, not in, outside of like very major cities. Um, yeah. And so just, you know, over the years and, and I would always like, and then eventually they got to a point, I mean, in my career, I've worked in literally 47 restaurants. Wow. Because uh, I would always have, you know, usually, I would usually have like three jobs at once, like two shifts. Right. Piece. That way, if you just wanted to. Bartend. Quit, you could just do it and be like, whatever. <laughs> you know, and you're never that committed. Like if you have two shifts in a place, like you don't have to go to staff meetings, like drama there. You're like, I'm kind of involved. Like everybody loves me. I'm here just long enough for everybody to love me, but not yeah, then you're out. to be able to hate me. That's the George Costanza go out on top. That's all. That yeah. Is. It's small doses. I was very uh-huh. George Costanza, but it's like, I give myself to you in small doses. So you're still excited to see me when you see me. Ah, oh, that's and a winning that move for, for a long time. And so that's a winning move. A million restaurants. And I even last year I had retired in 2017. Um I mean I'd worked in like you know wholesale wine for 10 years. And I thought yep. last year I had gone back into restaurants for like four months just to kind of like I got scratch the bored. itch. I was bored and I was like, yeah, yeah, uh yeah, I'm all set. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> and also bad. too like also, I would imagine, I mean, for a bunch of reasons, right? Like you've done it for so long. You're like, is that flame still there when I go back? But also, were there any massive differences that you felt that you experienced between pre, during, and post-pandemic that also contributed to that decision? Well, that was actually 100% attributed. It wasn't okay. it wasn't the, uh, because the old flame was there to like do my job in that way and enjoy. Okay. You know, like that bonding with my coworkers was still there that love of where I was working and the love of the food I was serving and like trying to get people excited about the experience, you know, like, I mean, great. I'm just as likely to tell somebody to go fuck themselves, but like, <laughs> like them, but I mean, you know, yeah. they're not yeah. with me, you know, nuanced, but, yeah. you know, but uh, it really is. It's actually, it was more of the customers that drove me out of it. There's this sense of entitlement now that I've never experienced before. And it's like in droves, people like restaurants, you're making, I will say you're making more money than ever. Like people yeah. in restaurants right now, you clean up. I mean, you, you yeah. can work pretty much anywhere, I think. And it's always busy and the money's there, but it's not enough because it's like this never ending flow of people. And all of them have this like mentality, like I've been pent up. I deserve this. Yeah. My night out. I'm spending money now. This is like sweet, every night's a sweet 16 party for somebody. It's like a, it's like, it's like a 24 seven sweet 16 party in restaurants. Yuck. Somebody in that dining room at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I just, I'm too old. I'm 44. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, I, I can't make pretend I give, I care. Yeah. That's fair though. That's fair. Like, why would you do it? Why would you spend your time on it if it's just right. not? And it's like, not my restaurant, so it's not my place to insult customers. Like, it's my place. I can tell people whatever I want, but I'm like, you know what? This is somebody else's livelihood, so I'm going to gracefully, whatever, excuse myself again <laughs> from this Dick, business. Dick, Dick's I, last resort is getting a lot of competition now, just from regular restaurants. Yeah, I'm telling you, people. It's it's unbelievable, and they're all like. They come in and they're just like, well, you're like, yeah, well, we're closed. The kitchen's closed. But I drove all this way. And you're like, well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Learn how to use clocks. And it's everywhere. Like I was, a, I was at a car wash the other day. And I was like, it was literally one of those days, like right after like 
days of storms, but you know, it's like backed up to the road for like yep. a long ways. And so like there's people that are like trying to get into this car wash line that are like stuck in the roads. You're trying to pull up. Right. And there's this one guy in front of me and there's like a long gap of cars like in front of him. And I see the guy coming out, taking the orders and he's talking to the guy in front of me and then he comes and finally the guy pulls up and he comes to me and I go, what was that guy's deal? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, I went to his window and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm doing something on my phone. <laughs> like, that's what he told this car wash person. He's holding this whole lineup and he's like, I'm doing something on my phone. And that's We're like doomed. the mentality that the people have. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know what happens. I don't know what seismic event happens to, to snap people out of acting like that. But honestly, it makes experiences out in the world that would have normally been pleasant and enriching, like super insufferable. And I, people it's don't realize awful. it. It's like, it's the norm. I see, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of that angle. That makes a lot of sense because you go out now to dinner because nobody's stopped going to dinner, even though nobody has any money. No. Everybody's still going out to eat and it's more expensive and they don't care. Oh, yeah. It, it's, you, you can't go to the supermarket and spend less yeah. than I go to buy like cat food and paper towels. I'm like, how's that $99? Gone, gone. Yeah. And that's why people go out and they're like, well, I'm going to spend extra money for this experience. I'm going to get extra value. And it's like, you are already getting value. Yeah. There's no like, Did value. you know that my trip to the Dominican Republic was canceled because a million people died? <laughs> okay. <laughs> people just like, <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. I didn't think of that angle. Sorry, Gibby, you had a question way back. Um, I love it. Like, I mean, let's keep rocking and rolling. So like you're, you're going into these restaurants, right. As, as quote unquote, this food critic, but what I've really like glommed onto and really liked about seeing some of your social media is how uh, enthusiastic you are at highlighting the restaurants and the things they're doing really, really well. Like <laughs> I remember John Lovett's, um food the or critic the critic i the think critic, was the yeah. show and it was like everyone was terrified of them coming in um what's the response to like when you go into a restaurant like it, you're you're well known you've been on new center maine and um you know in the industry and and you like you said worked at 50 47 different restaurants yeah. so people Literally, you know yeah. know your name they know when they see you um you know, what's the response like when you're actually in the restaurant? Like, how was how that experience? Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I really have never honestly adopted a title like a, a critic. Yeah. Like, because I've never really worked for like a newspaper that like awards stars or like I work for like, you know, I was a footer of a main magazine for Down East magazine for like, yep. and I do like things for Bob. It's like, you're writing overviews. You're not writing really reviews. Um, okay. So I've never really had any interest in saying negative things um, in public, uh, in a public <laughs> about places. I'm, I'm usually under that. Like if you don't have, if I come in and I'm usually like, if you have something nice to say, I don't say anything at all. So yeah. if I have something and I don't mention it, uh, it probably means that's why I, but whatever. It's like, I don't find any value for the most part in tearing anything down or, and I think people know that about me and, and, and I, I never want to get the reputation of also, I, I, and I'll be honest, like in a way, professional writing it kind of, uh, it, it sort of it soured, it left a sour taste in my mouth in terms of writing in general, because like yeah. having to write these, you know, sometimes you write, kind of end up being, a, I didn't want them to be puff pieces, but they kind of had to be because right. that's just the nature of what it was. It's like for me, it's in, this is in print, you know, it's not like it's a weekly newspaper or whatever coming out. It's like, yeah. and it's just big production. And also it's like, yeah, if I'm going someplace on a weekly basis to write this thing for a magazine. Like I really don't want to spend all the money that I would make on that meal, especially if I'm just writing this thing. So of course I want to prompt or whatever in that case. Um, so I guess, I mean, I just, yeah, I, I don't really, I, I've never been a restaurant critic. Yeah. Uh, I know what I like. I'm very honest about what I put out there. And if I say I like something, especially now that I'm not, currently professionally involved with any you know like once COVID started I kind of ditched the the regular gig as the food yeah. editor which was nice uh in a yeah. way but I try to just be very real and I think people know that when I when I come into a restaurant um I never have any expectations I never yeah 
I know, and I only say that because I know a lot of people do. A lot of yeah, people, right. a lot of people take themselves very seriously, yep. <laughs> and they think they're, and they come in and they they, they expect things, and you know, if you get something comp, that's that's very nice, and it's 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 really appreciated. But like, I I never go into any situation wanting anything or expecting anybody to or wanting anybody to do anything differently because I'm there. I mean, everybody likes special treatment. I mean, of course. It's like, of course. Yeah. Nice. It's like, but it, I give that right back. Like, cause I'm a yeah. person and I have a great time and I appreciate what people are trying to do, which is by the same token, if I see a restaurant and I'm like, this person's a total asshole and I don't like anything about what they're about and they're pompous and they're precious. Like I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. yeah. To begin with. So I'm not even going to create that potential you know, to have that kind of environment. Yeah. There. I don't know. Did I just answer your question or did I just? You like, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Personally, for me, I think like, you know, that reciprocity that you mentioned is obviously big, but I think I've never really understood the distinction between, you know, a critic and any other person who like sort of rates restaurants. That's a good policy, right? Like, if you don't have anything good to share about a spot, you're better off just not highlighting it at all. Yeah, well, because- I mean, I think that there's value in, in, in critics, and I think like Pete Wells and, and, and all those people, and, and like, but that's their job. Like, yeah. that just wasn't my job. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah. think that I think there's value in, in rating restaurants for people that want to go there, and if if you if that's what you want to do and you're comfortable doing that, I mean. I'm not going to tell you that I've never gone to a place I've never been before and looked up people I respect's opinions of it. Yeah, for sure. But it's just I, I don't consider myself a critic. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Because I don't do that. I've never actually – I've never, let, like, awarded stars, awarded ratings, been like, do, don't go here. It's yeah. always been like, this is what's going on here. This yeah. Is yeah. For me. And, this is the vibe. Yeah. Right. And plus, I mean, honestly, if you're working with something like Main Magazine, it's like – they're not gonna like. I mean, I, I can. Yeah, you're not. I mean, there's been experiences that suck for sure. Yeah. And I, if you know me, you'll read those things that I wrote, and you'll and be able to pull it out. I hate it. And they'll even be like, yeah. I'll get like the editor will send back the feedback on like the original copy, and they'll be like, it doesn't sound like you enjoyed this at all. <laughs> and well, they just I, know. And, and honestly, <laughs> it took me eight hours to write one sentence about this place. All I had to do was <laughs> eight hundred words. It took me eight hours. I literally would rather. I was at one point. I was contemplating sawing my hands off. Instead of writing a second <laughs> sentence, because that's how little it like, all. Yeah, yeah, but you already paid me for it, so I had to write something. So I did it. Uh, that's <laughs> but, great. Did you? So you you've probably done like a ton of travel too. Like I know we've yeah. you've been around a little bit. Like outside of Maine, I know you know Maine's your home state, and and you know you you're familiar with all the restaurants you know that are um, here, but like. If people are traveling, what are your f- favorite cities to visit? Um, Montreal. And a couple restaurants that, oh, that, that came were out like quick. Montreal. Montreal, I'll give my you. favorite. Although, because okay. of my DUIs, they messed with me last time. Yeah. I had DUIs yeah. 20 years ago, and I've yeah, been a million times since. And all of a sudden, I got the tough guy patrol like back in 2019, and haven't been able to go back. It's like a reverse lottery getting into UI. It's basically those. Are, it's the same odds. It's, There's no difference. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like I said, they're literally over like 20 years ago from when I was trying to go. But Montreal, and I don't even what know are the? Know. Is it is it, so from? So you said Montreal right away. Yeah, it's my favorite city in the world for a multitude of reasons. Well, for like fact, one, I like cold climates. Okay, fair. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I I can think in cold climates. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that uh, the clearest thinking city for me is San Francisco. Something about the climate there is perfection. It's like oh, always yeah. like 64 and not humid and windy. And it's warm. very comfortable. It's very comfortable. It's so comfortable. Like I'm walking it's so up. so comfortable. Like, oh, I'm not even really that bothered by this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Montreal has such amazing food and beautiful architecture. And it's like, you know, living in Maine, it's, it's five hours from my front door and it's a place that has a different currency, a different language. It feels like you're in France. Yeah. Yep. And it's Not this bad. beautiful, these beautiful Russian culture, beautiful like spas and just the people are so amazing. And like, I want, I want to live in Montreal uh, desperately. I Interesting. Okay. I like that. I was, so I was going to ask, I don't know if there's any overlap as I was combing through your social media history, did I notice in there somewhere that you've also done stand up at some point? Oh yeah. Yeah. I did stand up for, uh, seriously for probably about six or seven years. I was, that's uh, awesome. 
working in the Comedy Connection in Portland. I was doing a lot of shows in like Spaniel Hall in Boston. Yeah, I used to host at uh, Kowloon and Saugus. Yeah, oh, nice. Uh, one, yep. Providence Comedy Connection. Um, I love doing stand up. Uh, stand up is great, but it's just well, I will say that it's like the absolute best nights of your life are when you kill doing stand up. Yeah, yeah. Worst nights of top your of the life world are when you die on stage. It's like yeah. the streams there uh-huh are and then it was like and when i did stand up it was like it was before i had started writing and when i discovered writing and the ability to edit and because stand-up is so much about delivery and your yes like 90 percent. it's about there's so many variables in there and with writing it's like you have this safety net in a way i mean you know it's like you yep. can you can write drunk and edit sober you know <laughs> Uh, whereas, you know, stand up, it's just, oh, plus also it's, it's, uh, if you're not wildly successful, it is like always a net loss financially. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're always spending more to go do a show than you make. Yeah. Right. No matter what, especially if you're somebody like me, insanely decadent and likes to, you know, <laughs> that's what? the skin in the game. That's the skin in the game. Well, yeah. not everyone's <laughs> getting like, you know, a dozen oysters before the show. And... Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm staying at the four seasons and for my show <laughs> that's paying me $25 because I had to that's... be in Boston for the night. It's yeah. like those people you were talking about that go into the restaurant, their expectations are out of whack. You're starting from a place where you're like, listen, I'm already hundreds of dollars in the hole. So what are you guys going to be doing for me? That's a kill of the yeah. <laughs> What about I me? And it was yeah. funny, I waited on Jerry Seinfeld one time when I was working at the Portland Harbor Hotel in, in, in Portland. And, uh, and I was telling him about that. And he thought that was really funny. <laughs> it's just and a I different... comped him like a cheese plate. He's like, this may not help with your hotel bill, but it might help with your career. Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, just, I wasn't, uh, but I, I have such a deep respect for stand ups. Like, I think that that's just same. You know, you're up there. You you don't have a band with you. You don't have an editor, and 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 you're doing it. And like I said, when it's going well, like my visceral memories of those of the best shows of my life are it burned it, but but so aren't the worst like yeah that feeling of once you've lost a crowd and this is going south like it is just you're it's almost always worth going bring it back. Through, yeah it's worth going through the downs to get those highs though because you're right like when you have the right word at the right time and the right vibe and when you right kill audience, when you have yeah. control of an audience and they are oh. it's almost like you ever seen that woodstock 99 documentary on yeah. Netflix where yeah. Jerry, when he's doing the whole thing and he's like yeah. moving the crowd with him yeah and that's how you feel when you're killing on stage doing stand-up. Like, like you're like, everybody's in your hand. Everything you say, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, just say that. I'm going to say that. Just, just when, firing. When literally, I swear to you, it is the polar opposite when it is going badly. It is becomes the worst night of your life. You are the, the level of humiliation and just the You doubt everything about yourself. Like that's happening all over, and yeah, the sweat down the back because you don't know what else to do because you're already fighting a flight boat now, and it's the uh, worst. You keep yeah. punching. Oh, is t- I mean, people who are successful in stand up, I think, deserve the most respect of anybody in the comedy world. That's it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard to appeal appeal to masses like that too. Everybody likes something. Well, that's different. another that's- thing. It's like, what do you? it's easy to, when you're in a band or you're a writer or you're in movies or you're a filmmaker, but I'm not going to sell out because you're, you're such like, it's put out. You don't have to be there. Yeah. But for a standup who decides to do that, like you're literally taking it on the world that night in front of people. You're like literally telling them to their face. Yeah. I'm not going to take it. And they're going to tell you right back by not laughing. Yeah. Or if you're in August at Kowloon, they're going to be ordering their food and not paying attention unless you say fuck every other word. (laughs) Um, Which I figured out like the four show I did there. I'm like, I'm just going to say fuck every other word. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the best show I ever did there. People were like, ah, this is. Give them what they want. Give them what they want. Give those people what they want. Mind you, I was the opener. I wasn't the headliner. (laughs) I was doing when they were. Ordering their food, it was the worst. Yeah, just <laughs> oh, I have so I have an I have one other pace changing question for you, and I'm just genuinely curious. So I also did notice that you're a big fan of sensory deprivation. Yeah, you you do a good amount of floating, like in a tank. I and do it's, actually. So yeah. 
for what purpose? What does it do for you? And what do you love most about that experience? Uh, what's the best about that experience? So like, it is rare in this life that you have 90 minutes where you cannot be distracted by anything yeah. outside of your own crazy head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, cause you're in this tank, it's 90 minutes and it's like, so no, no phones and it's like, and you know, if people who don't know, have never done this, you're in like, in, in the place I go, like they have rooms and they have pods. I like the pods actually. I like the small, cause I'm a bigger guy. So I don't like to drift a lot. Yeah. So I like this people and, and I'm a claustrophobic person and they don't make claustrophobic at all. So there's about 1200 pounds of Epsom salt in the water. And it's the exact same temperature of your body. So after about 10 minutes, you acclimate to it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and you, they, they let you choose like a color of light and like a music before you go in. But I usually just go pitch black, no sound. Nice. And all you can hear is your breathing and your heartbeat. And, you know, I've had so many experiences with it. It, it doesn't work when you're hungover. It doesn't work when you're high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's best just to go very sober. Um, and it's, it's hard. Like a lot of times you, you'll have experiences that are revelatory. A lot of times the hardest time for me is like not being able to write something down. Yeah. And to like go all these places and you're like, I got a record, so I'm going to forget it, you know? Yeah. Oh, that would frustrate me so much. Yeah. yeah. And then, then the worst is sometimes halfway through you have to pee. Yeah. Also bad. <laughs> you, know, like, uh, you, you can know. get out, but it's like that just kind of disrupts the whole mind. Yeah. yeah. You might as well leave at that point. You know, yeah. and sometimes you just, and, so, and then sometimes like after like, uh, you know, 45 to 60 minutes, I'm just done. I can't go the whole 90. You yeah. know, like it, it depends, but like, it, 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 no matter what, it's just time that you're forced to spend with your own crazy mind. Um, I like that. And it goes through a lot of phases. And I'm into a lot of that like, uh, sort of holistic stuff. Like I love, like I have a friend who has like an amethyst bed, you mm-hmm. know, it's like heated and it's like, you know, the bed is like lined with amethyst and it's like an hour and a half experience and it's like very hot and you go through all these phases in your awesome. head where it's like uncomfortable and then you transition to like a sort of an acceptance phase and then you go to the sort of transcendent phase. It's nice when you're in that flow tank. It's like, you know, you're, you're, your mind is able you, when you, you just can't force it, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm all about things that just, cause I'm, I'm very OCD. So I'm always trying to like force Same. things and be a perfectionist. And, and that's, it works usually to my, my detriment, you know? And it's like, it's, it's like a, it's a big like trigger for addiction and everything. My OCD. Yeah. You know, because I generally like will drink to escape thinking perfectionism. Yeah, exactly. Thinking when I'm like, yeah. I, I can't get out of the fact that I need everything to be this way, so I have to obliterate my mind. And you know, I get it. And yeah. so, you know, the the flow tank is a great way to to isolate yourself and isolate your mind to get perspective on that, and you know, and force that discipline. As is uh, ayahuasca, you know, like I've done yep. ayahuasca twice now, and yep. And I'm all about it's. I, I like all the all the extremes. You know, we've got a buddy because uh, of self help, and I like the extremes of self destruction. I enjoy all of it. I love it. You're just you got to explore the space a little bit. I got a um a buddy of mine who we've had on a couple times who lives in Thailand. And he's at, he's done a couple of ayahuasca ceremonies, and he's tried to explain to me. And he's like, honestly, it's it's not a feeling that I can put to words. Like, it's not something you not to be that guy, but you it's truly so have to like feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so different for everybody. Like it, yeah. it, it's, it's literally, it's inside of you and it's, it's yeah. drawing out what's in you and you're unique. Yeah. And I Gibby, we got to go do one of those and then record through it somehow and try to see I, if we can I, Iron I, Man our way through. No. I'm going to be going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. <laughs> I'm going to save you from this. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing my mother might listen to this, so I won't do it, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Because there's nothing that good that could come of it, and a yeah. lot of bad that could come of it. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to sabotage the operation before intense. we get off the ground. Yeah, it's intense. It's like it is not a recreational drug. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm no. terrified of anything where uh, my wife <laughs> might get mad at me if I'm not home at a certain time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, 
I might be up, but Joe, I wanted to get back into restaurants a little bit. Um, <laughs> From ayahuasca, fine, fine Gibby. Ayahuasca fine, restaurants Gibby. are in <laughs> Let's blend them. Let's blend those two <laughs> concepts. We're on to something. We've done it. No, <laughs> but I did want to ask you, like, um, you know, if if there is someone that is looking for, and it's not me but maybe a friend that lives in the Kittery area or Portsmouth area from Portsmouth to Portland, they need a romantic date with their wife. Um, you must get restaurant like recommendation questions all the time. I do. Um, and I'm happy to help whenever I can. I think um, Portsmouth to Portland. Yeah. Like yeah. let's hear like two or three that you're really excited about that you know, are, are really good date night restaurants? Well, I think that, I mean, it, it gets a lot of hype, but 12 in Portland is phenomenal. Well, yeah. it's, it's definitely probably one of the most expensive restaurants in Portland. But, you know, when I think date night, I, you know, I don't think like candlelit dinners, that's very 80s. Uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's like, where are you going to have a really great time with somebody you love? And I think that like 12, like the, the, the style of service, the food is just when you're, you're eating it. it, it I just feel the same way about Miyaki in, in Portland, you know, yep. like a great sushi restaurant, um, for like the higher end, uh, you know, uh, Portsmouth, I'm not as familiar with, I mean, you kind of kittery in there. When you talk that, Portsmouth, are you kind of, are you kind of like counting Kittery when you're talking Portsmouth or not? No, really? well, Kittery, I know because Kittery, I mean, I love like, I mean, I love certain restaurants. I love like Tulsi, I love Black Birch, I love Annika Jans. Um, and those are all great places to go with a date. I mean, get up to twelve. Twelve. Yeah, get up to twelve. I think. Okay. I'm just what trying to. I think Joshua's. I think closed finally in Wells. I, I thought Joshua's was amazing. It's uh, it was right down the road, and my, uh, yeah. my children are are uh, classmates with Joshua's. Uh, I love and, Josh Mather; he's a great and guy. I, and Josh is a fantastic guy. Um, and I, you know what? I've been on like two dates, or what you could. I don't really go on dates because that's very awkward. But uh, intimate dinners was people like at Joshua's, and, and I thought that place was just always so consistent. The food was like simple, was but had, like, a sensual quality to it, like. Like somebody cared about it who made it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're exactly right. Um, So let's talk about our friend, Logan. We talked about a little bit. Friend of the podcast. Backstage green room, uh, friend of the podcast. You're right. Um, Opening up um, George and and Leon's um, or George's and and Leon's uh, roast beef, uh, brick and mortar. They're, They're getting into it. Um, tell us a little bit about that, what you're excited about. I heard you mention them on a, on a previous show as well. Yeah, well, I mean, three weeks ago, I was just hanging out at Logan's house in his hot tub with him and his wife and my girlfriend, <laughs> like in a snowstorm. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that, that man in his living room literally has, I don't know if you remember, uh, like home vision video, but he yeah. has like a blockbuster video in his like living room of horror movies like VHS it's like literally like the like the like the turnaround displays and stuff like the spinning displays these sounds right stores. it's amazing this sounds he has right a pinball machine like a twilight zone pinball machine mm-hmm. that he found that guy i love that guy he's Logan, he is crushing crazy. life he's got the perfect perspective on life you know he's like he's like i wish he's he's like me without like the crippling anxiety it's like he's so great and when i watch actually so we're about to come out uh over the next couple weeks with a fukuma episode in the north shore with him and i'm watching all this editing right now i'm doing going through all the b-roll and everything with my director chris and i'm watching logan and i'm just like god this guy is like he's talking about like you know every thanksgiving with his like family they eat this big meal and then like three hours later they go eat at like Tripoli and Chrissy's pizza at Salisbury beef, <laughs> like after Thanksgiving dinner and they get really high and they go do it. And I'm like, God, I wish it'd be, it'd be nice to be like that. Like he's just so chill and like cool. And like, but he like, I went over his house for dinner and I made him play Yahtzee with me. And like, <laughs> he made this like ribeye that was like 
just you know when somebody makes a ribeye that says nothing but butter, salt, and pepper, and oh man, best thing you've ever eaten in your life because it's cooked so goddamn perfectly. Like that's Logan, and that's like what he does. And like, and when you have his super beef, and he gets it, like he he knows that silly. It's not silly, but it's 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 a hierarchy. All like the language, the roast beef language. Like yeah, super yep. junior, wet. You know, like a junior has to go on a sesame. A super has to go on an onion. Like, yep, he's he's putting the time on in. Top or on bottom, I don't remember. It's like there's like all these things, and Logan has to go here. About that, you know, yeah. like yeah. the roast beef language, and he speaks it well. And his super beef is like insanely delicious. He likes to do it the right way. He's he's yeah. he's you know he's free. He's he's kind of like he told me he's like free to roam, but he really likes to continue to offer like the same experience for people. He likes that yeah. consistent experience. That's hard. You gotta be disciplined for that. He's great. I'm gonna. Well, I can't wait to to tune in on that because that's gonna be a nice combo. Yeah, his brick and mortar is gonna be amazing. It's in the yeah. blue space, and it's not far from where I live. And you guys should come up, and we'll all go. So, are you that. based in Portland, Joe? Yeah, I'm, you... I'm probably about like uh, four miles from where Logan lives. And he oh, okay. Lives next to where he's opening, yeah. So, okay. okay. Well, we're we have a liquor store. Okay. Uh, I, I can't remember the name, yeah. but um, Alex, <laughs> by design, America's best friend, Alex, uh-huh. Burke, our other guest, our other uh, host is, um, is based in Westbrook and, and he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So well, I'm on Forest Avenue in Portland, which is right. Okay. Before. Yeah. So, um, you know, and any other restaurants to like watch out for or, or things to like keep an eye on? Everyone, yeah, you should go you know, to, uh, Wayside Tavern in Portland, um, okay. especially on Sunday and Monday. Sunday and Monday only they do their smash burger. Like it's kind of like a slightly. I mean, every, everything now is like, like sort of mid range high end. Like it's not like crazy yeah. like White Barn, but it's like you know you're gonna spend some money. And all their food's amazing. But on Sunday and Monday they do their smash burger, and it's twenty dollars on Sunday, but ten dollars if you go on Monday. And it's the best burger I've ever had in my life. Oh, okay. But all their food is amazing. Also, uh, Judy Gibson in South Portland is the place you can go. It's like 35 seats. And you go with like one other person you order every single appetizer on the menu. And that's what you have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's incredible. Uh, crispy Guy. Uh, G-A-I, not G-U-Y. Crispy Guy is a Thai. Uh, I guess it's a Thai fried chicken place. But all their Thai food is insanely delicious. There's a new bistro in South Portland called La Luca. Uh, again, took this a small, all these smaller spaces and just really like the kind of places you go. And like the first time you go, you're like, I think the key in restaurants is having low expectations. Mm. Like every time I'm really excited about a place, I'm usually let down, um, for whatever reason, just yep. the way it's, in life, a lot of things. And so I go to these places with no, I, I try to try new restaurants with no expectations. Usually I try them six months after they open and occasionally somebody drags me there like early on and this place Laluco in South Portland, like one of those places you start eating and you're like, every, you're like I can't wait for every course. Yeah. After you have the first one, you're like, no, I'm excited for every single thing I eat from here on out. The first course is so good. <laughs> yeah. And I know that feeling. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty special. And, and then usually you have to go back one more time before you start like, really running your mouth about it but <laughs> i don't know like there's a lot of that's great a good food. list yeah because recommending food is like it's, it's a tough. preference thing it's, it's preference. tough because it's so subjective like when you recommend yep. things, the hardest thing to recommend in the entire world for me are chinese restaurants yeah because every chinese restaurant think about it the menu there's like 300 things on it mm-hmm. yep. and every chinese restaurant has like nine things that are awesome yeah and 291 things that are not very good. Yeah. And every time you recommend it to somebody, they go and they order one of the, the 291 of the things. They're like, that place sucked. What's wrong with you? And you're yeah. Like, yeah, but the thing is, I go there every time. There's two things I order there. Yeah, there should be, there should be, a, uh, we should get together as a world and, and for every type of cuisine, there should be like a representative food that you base that restaurant's ability right. on, is right? This a, yeah, in terms of Chinese American is the obvious choice. Yeah. Obvious. General salad, you know, like yep. Yep. like can audience. you nail that dish? I have trust yeah. that you can nail the rest if you can. Well, I don't even. I'm just like, I'm just gonna order that one thing. <laughs> that even that works too. Literally. Yeah. Like I've had a place, I've been to places that have like brand general salad is delicious, but the sesame chicken is not that great. So yeah. it's like you have to just go 
that's why it's hard for me to recommend Chinese restaurants to people because they're, like, yeah, they're like, well, if you order from this place, you have to order these specific things. If you don't, I have no Don't go off the script. Yeah. And the, yeah. you get those idiots, like, <laughs> I'm not responsible. Young, and you're like, who no. gets egg no. young and like a no. restaurant? You got to play the hits. You got to play the hits, all right? You know, Sting's you not showing up. You got to trust me, but listen to me if you're asking me. Yeah, take the recommendation. Just take it. Or else I won't be taking any responsibility for your experience. That's it. Oh, I won't. Yeah. I, I always say, <laughs> if anybody asks you about Chinese restaurants, pizza, burgers, I, this is a disclaimer. Yeah. Subjective. This yep. is why I like it. Uh-huh. These are the very specific things I get when I go there. So I don't, mm-hmm. yeah. You outside that, I don't know anything about it. I got nothing. I got nothing. You're not responsible. <laughs> I'm not responsible. I don't know what to do with these things. I don't know about Bushu pancakes because I've never ordered that. So I'm not an asshole. <laughs> lost your name. You know, like, what would you think they would have? Yeah. Pancakes? Yeah. Lost you can name. ask one of the other three people that have ever ordered it. If yeah. You can find them. Yeah. Have fun. You can ask them about the poisoning they got. Yeah. I'm I, you know, happy I am about what I told you to order. It's always somebody ordering something up way off the map. They want to be cute. It's, it's like, really- that's a so, risk we don't need to take. You know, it's this, it's this, this, this sense of entitlement. Like I'm better than yep, full circle. Yeah. So, yeah. Joe, before we go, I've got two more questions for Are you. We there already? I, we're almost there. I mean, we're, we can we're do partying. this. For, this is gonna be like a four part. This could we're be partying. Like all it means, members. all it means, is there's uh, there's meat left on the bone, and you're gonna have to come back. That's all it yeah, means. So. And mm-hmm. tell Logan we're doing the live show. Um, uh huh. Oh, when, that's a great idea. So, um, we we need. I, I would have totally brought Logan if you asked me to bring Logan. It's no, no, no. We're we're doing the live show there. So, um, before right. we know, we're going to get you on as a combo. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll play '80s uh, Double Dare episode. <laughs> you know, Mark Summers speaking of OCD, crippling OCD. Uh huh. Yes. Uh huh. So I didn't. I failed to mention it. I I told Maddie this the other day. Uh, my brother, who was also on the podcast, um, was one of the original uh, uh, contestants on Double Dare. He um, in really? the first season, he was the one that ran up like the the side of the chocolate slide. Yeah, um, yeah. he didn't try to go up the middle. He went up the side. Right. He, yeah. he changed the face of double. Changed the game forever. Changed it right <laughs> out of the gate. Right. Changed the game forever. Sure. Hey, hey. It's the thing which, I'm most proud of him about. Which brother is this? Revolutionized <laughs> the game. Changed it forever. <laughs> he was the <laughs> Bo Jackson of I just made any given Sunday reference if you were wondering. Uh, Gibby loves that movie. You did a good Al Pacino. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's great. Changed the game. So long. Revolutionized the game. Gotta get out there. Pick up the problem. Gibby, you can't save information like that. I need that sooner. That's incredible. I'm, I'm going to go look Maddie. for it. It, just, it came to mind when I was thinking Logan and Nickelodeon. And everything. All right. There's nothing I, I can do now. All of her stone football movies and then everything just went where it went. That's how those movies go too. So, Joe, I've, I've got two more questions. One, like you, you posted something a couple weeks ago around like the – the and I'm gonna mispronounce this. I mispronounce everything in the world. This is my favorite um, part. But bacchanal, um, yeah. or or quote Bacchanal. unquote deathmatch. Like you, you had 90 guests, and and that happened a f- like 15 years ago. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Like that, it seemed like a really inspiring and and yeah. So deathmatch is what that was called. So deathmatch started in 2007. Um, okay. Living with a friend over in, on, in Portland here, and like, I basically woke up one day and wanted to have a party that made it so people couldn't eat foie gras again for like a year. And so <laughs> we did this foie gras. Call it. It's a kind of. I took the name from like the old old MTV like deathmatch like claymation wrestling match yep. thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we had like ten chefs and like ten lobes of foie gras, and we just all of a sudden it became this like crazy theme party. And we were like, and it was like this sort of legendary thing. And I was like, okay, let's do this again. So then, like that following November, this August 20, 2007, then we did uh, Venison's, who went out and slaughtered two whole deer, broke it down for 16 chefs, had like 50 people over, like 16 oh. courses of venison. We rented like Big Buck Hunter for the house. Everybody wore camouflage. Like it was like this whole theme party. And then we're like, all right, let's take it out. We did Japan, 
And then we did, then Andrew Zimmern found us. We did a whole thing for, on the Andrew Zimmern, the Bizarre Food Show for them in yep. June 2008. Yep. Uh, and then we did another one. And then we did that last meal, which was like uh, basically a funeral theme where it was 18 courses, 18 chefs, everybody, pre- you know, uh, preparing a meal they would have on their last day on earth. Um, I did, pre- I put that like, little view book together of like everybody had a photo shoot and talked about their last meal on earth based on Melanie Dunia's book, my last supper, um, the soundtrack for the party, every single person that attended that party, I got three songs from them. And so the soundtrack of that party, every single song you heard from somebody's like song from their last day on earth, everybody dressed in black. I mean, the thing was like the, the expanse was like, you know, 120 bottles of wine, like Navari Rez had a whole like half system. We finished the night by drinking, you know, absinthe out of somebody's prosthetic leg. We've been at the party all night. We took his leg <laughs> off, put a bottle of absinthe then at three in the morning. We're handing around the kitchen with him sitting on the chair, him missing his leg. And uh, it was like, you know, that and it, it sort of ended it properly because I've been approached by a lot of people to like revive this thing. And, no way. And, and, and I'm like, even like, in, like I've had a contract with like Relativity Media. A lot of people are like trying to, pitch these shows to networks, but it just, you know, once you make something like that for like these parties would make us go friggin' bankrupt. Like we would yeah. spend all of our money going all out in every single way, like every bottle of wine, every single thing, every, we just would spend all of our own money. And like the only thing we did at one point was like people who would come to the party who weren't contributing in some way would ask for $40. Yeah. But once you start involving money and you know, tickets and, shows like you can never have that kind of party in this like it's not gonna that was all for the love of it it was for the love and it was like you know 2007 to 9 and the world was different back then and it was before Mm. and actually andrew knowlton was at that last party from bon appetit he uh don from ravelay books brought him to that party and that was what prompted him to like do the whole portland foodiest small city bullshit in 2010 and bon appetit which blew the whole city up and I mean, we've been friends since he's been on my podcast and he's a great guy, but like, you know, it, it just doesn't exist anymore. Like that kind of, no. uh, that yeah. scene doesn't Too exist. Hard. The world's just different. The world's just different. It's not anybody's fault. It's just yeah. the world's not the same place. And so you can't recreate that moment in time. It was just like, that kind of like, I, I, and some stuff's not meant it, to be like kismet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, like you put so much into it financially, mentally. Yeah. Like, no sleep. And you know, those back yeah. still doing coke and drinking all the time and eating all yeah. the time. It's like, you, you have know, a different gear you can get to, and now it's just different. Yeah, it's hard. Some stuff can't be redone. It's just how it is. You go out once. You can't force that. Like it's just no. that scene doesn't exist anymore. Like that camaraderie in restaurants, they just aren't this. I mean, and again, it's not a judgment call on people. It's just different. Like the world's yep. different than it was in 2008. Yep. It's fair. You know, in 2008, like Obama was elected president. It's like, it might as well be 40 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Different place now. Yeah. So, so Joe, we asked this of every guest. I was going to hold back because, um, you know, we've been talking about food quite a bit, but I have to ask. Um, You're, you know, driving from Portland up to Bangor. uh, You're not going to eat until your reservation's at 730 somewhere fiddleheads maybe or or somewhere else um and but you got to stop in augusta to pump up on gas and you need a snack um what's your desert island gas station snack (laughs) that you would go to gotta be something you can get at a gas station any gas station you've been to big or small oatmeal cream pie is that what you said Oh, that's a first, but a good answer. An underrated snack that people skip, but they're classic. Yeah. I mean, there's what is it about the cream in there? It's not like any other cream. It's It's not like a whip. It's it's both. It's like, and and now they sell like the double version, which I don't even like as much, but like gratuitous. Gratuitous. The sogginess of the cookie. Yes. It's like chewy, but it's not. It's like, it's chewy. It's not soggy. It's chewy. Like, yeah. Yep. And there's something like, it's not quite Oreo filling. It's like different than Oreo filling. Yeah. It's, it's got something about oatmeal cream pie. I don't know what it is. I love it. I love oatmeal raisin cream. It's a frosting. <laughs> That's what that cream is. It's basically a frosting. Same thing with an Oreo, but it's like different than an Oreo. 
because of the savory of the oatmeal. Like, yeah. there's, this, there's yeah. just something about it that I've always... No, nope. people people really, don't really people like, don't go for those. But I guarantee you that if you bought Chex, one, checks mix. Yeah, we get the checks mix. That's that one's that's a good savor and sweet combo. Are awesome. Also, um, it, I don't think you see them anymore. But take five bars you occasionally. No, it's hard. It's hard to find them. But I love this. Anything. Obviously, you can tell. Like I like the sweet, savory, salty. Yeah. Yeah, pretzel. You're probably a chocolate covered pretzel. You know, guy. Pie, same way, like the savory of the oatmeal with the sweetness of the filling. That's a good answer. That's an it's a it's an original answer. We've not gotten it yet, and it's an underrated answer. Sneaky, I like it. Suck um, it in there. You, you didn't think I'd be coming with the the. Uh, I, I don't know if I thought OCP, I'd ever hear OCPs. Yeah, but here OCPs. Yeah, it's been slept <laughs> on for OCP. far too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time for them to reemerge. It is. <laughs> well, if you've been watching that show, the food that built America, there's uh-huh. a whole thing on the oatmeal cream pies and that, which is. I mean, oh, I'm in on that then. So, Joe, where where can our guests find you? Um, I know Instagram. Follow Joe Riccio. Um, Food Coma Maine. New Center Maine. Yep. Uh, well, I'm Food Coma Maine on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at joericcio.net, uh, foodcomapodcast.com. I do private dinners called Food Coma Your Kitchen. You can email me at uh, jsriccio at gmail.com or just you know DM me on uh, Instagram if you want to find out more about that, but, uh, and also I do group health insurance, Medicare and supplemental insurance. <laughs> so there you go. So, you know, if you need group health insurance, find Joe. Um, and you know, honestly, like I this, have two lives. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Um, at least so minimum. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you yeah, for man. taking the time with us. Thank you for educating our awesome. listeners. Time flies. Tens of fun. I had a feeling. Oh, actually, what were we in the green room, back room? Where were we, Gibby? We were uh, in the green back room. I can always tell when I'm <laughs> in the green back room if we got if the energy is right. And I knew tonight was going to be we were going to be flying. We're flying yeah. around. We're making plays. We made plays out here today. I'm proud of us. So, I'm Joe, um, would love to continue the conversation. Everyone, thank you. Have a great uh, week. Have a great weekend. Um, follow joe he is phenomenal you're gonna see everything you need to see and get in there uh you know in the food industry and uh, across the board um and also reach out for insurance purposes too um so (laughs) with that said you'll see some nfl draft news coming up next week and uh a lot more exciting things coming up on the show follow one night in pinehurst uh download Listen, follow us, and also uh, only five-star ratings are approved. So thank you very much.